Josh, I, I hope you're ready to memeify our conversation today. I actually charge for my time, so. Yeah, sweet. Send me that bill. I'll send, I'll send you an invoice. Send it to Rich. Okay. <laughs> well, if, uh, if nobody else joins besides us three, we'll just do a lead young intervention with you, Josh. <laughs> As coach and uh, now I'm actually really busy. I can't. Uh, I can't. <laughs> things to do. What your takeaways were from that training day? Were there were there one liners? <clears throat> Was there overall themes um, that that you found compelling and you've been chewing on since then? I think some of the stuff we've implemented here at Baker, but just being like truthful and like a lot of it was just like be honest, be blunt with people in the ministry kind of thing. And don't like, I felt like don't add a lot of fluff. That's not what my generation wants. So we want straight to the point. People are busy. They want their time to be meaningful in that. And so that's what I just kind of took away from it. Well, and th this is a, a cool and unique conversation to have too. How old are you? Are you 24? Three. 23 so your take on this as somebody that's in youth ministry you are a young adult you are working with young adults your pastor a pastor on on the staff um i'm really intrigued by this and your your application of it so you said that that there have been some things that you you've been trying to like flush out locally there since the training yeah so um since barbara's been here we started in the summer we've been meeting tuesday nights um, she cooks us a meal. We started to go through The Chosen. Now we're going through the book, The Christian Atheist. And so it was good during the summer. We had eight or nine, but now we're down to two or four a week. Yeah. Well, so that that's that started up since she's been there this summer, Barbara? Yeah, um, I would say June, July-ish, end of June, because... You know, from that training, I was like, I want something to be done, but I don't want to do it because you want something for I want to be right? right. And I know if I push it too much, then I'm just going to get put in charge of it, and I don't need another thing on my plate. Yeah. So, have you been enjoying the discussions you have had over the chosen and and the? Yeah, I I enjoy it. I enjoy talking to the guys and and learning different perspectives because part of it is growing up and I grew up in a completely different culture than they have. So it's interesting their values and the way they see things versus how I see things. So I really enjoy it. Well, I'm excited, Josh, that there's something that's, that's getting, you know, facilitated and that there's, you, you feel like there's, there's been some movement since, since then. And, you know, I was joking about if there aren't very many people that, you know, you have a better conversation, but it's kind of true. Yeah. Um, so everybody can, can have a chance to share and, and different personalities can have, you can process or you can ask somebody and they're not a large group where they feel like they're getting, you know, introvert outed. Yeah. Tell me about the Christian atheist. What's, what's that book about? Um, it's about, it's by Craig, of course. Um, he wrote Dangerous Prayers. He's the pastor at um, One Life. Oh, Rochelle? Yeah. And uh, it's about it's about Christians who claim they're Christians and believe in God, but they don't live it out. So, like, 
Uh, one of the chapters we talked about last week was believing in God, but he not believe, believing that he can't forgive us or believing that he doesn't love us. Hmm. So it's kind of like this. You believe in God and you do the things that the Christian would, but your beliefs aren't really there. You live like he's not there. Hmm. So, you know, maybe you go to church, maybe you go to group, you claim you're a Christian, but you still kind of, you still blame yourself for things you don't really forgive yourself. And so that's kind of where we're going. And it, he talks a lot about his own life, how he became a Christian. That's kind of how he lived. Like part of his story is he found Christ in college when he was part of a frat. And so he started doing a small group, but they didn't really understand what it meant. So their prayers were more like, pray that Johnny doesn't get his girlfriend pregnant tonight or pray that our party goes well, you know, or pray that we can get drunk and, you know, those kind of things. Those were their prayers. At the beginning, wow. So. Yeah. Let me try something here. Let me go back to session one. One of the things they said here is young adult. Young adulthood is a season of, and then there are five things here, possibility, instability, self-focus, feeling in between, new challenges. What I'm curious of is if I just hit a couple things in each one of these sessions with you as a young adult leader, pastor, that we all journey together on, on the district. Uh, I'm just curious of, of your input of how those things hit you in the training. Um, mm -hmm. You're you're one of the young adults that they're talking about in here, but you're in a position of leadership. And like like you just said, so you feel heard because, yeah, people like hired you to uh, yeah. be heard and do stuff. So young adult is a season of possibility, instability, self-focus, feeling in between new challenges. Agree, disagree, mm -hmm. resonate. Um, possibility, yes, because I feel like, like theoretically, if Troy came to me and said, hey, we got to let you go kind of thing, I would be worried about it because I know I would land on my feet kind of thing. As far as like anything's possible, any event I put on, anything I want to do, I feel like it's possible. It's just a matter of committing myself in time as far as that goes. Uncertainty, sure, because, you know, anything could happen. It's the same with possibility. I think those two are just how you view it. I don't think anything is like I don't think when hold on like I truly think this is one of the first times in my life in the past year I've experienced godly joy because I'm fully living into what my calling is wow. and so even after bad days and stuff I'm like yeah I feel good and so with that comes uncertainty but I'm never confused on what I'm doing so I view it as possibilities because I view it as a positive light in that. Mm. Okay. But I also feel like I I have a better grasp on where I am in life and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it than a lot of other young adults. So. Why do you think that is? What What's different for you or sets you up for that where others may be like still kind of wandering around? Um, for one, I think it's my family. They're so supportive. Grandparents, parents, cousins, uncles, that when, like, when I wanted to move out to Baker City, there's no pushback from them, as far as those that are Christians. Um, secondly, um, people here, people like Troy, and people within the church are giving me all kinds of support. Like today, I had a flat tire, 
and I couldn't get my lug nuts off. So I just called Troy for some WD-40 and it was done. So just a lot of friends, accountability. And then um, I also got a call at an early age. I think I got called into ministry when I was 11 and just kind of slowly evolved to that. I also think I've taken a lot of leadership classes, a lot of, um, I've done a lot of like Myers-Bridge, Enneagram, all those tests and stuff. So I know a lot about myself. I would say more than the average 23-year-old. And so I know where my strengths are. I know where my weaknesses are. I don't always listen to advice that I get because I know that advice is good on how to fix that kind of stuff. But <laughs> I know where I'd struggle in that. And so I know where to put myself best. So. In, in, um, can I ask you, can I ask you yeah. a targeted question within that, John? Yeah. Like the one in particular, and this builds a little bit off of, in my thinking, this builds a little bit of off of a conversation that Kenny and I had in the earlier Zoom. Um, so one of the things that it, that it, one of the seasons it mentions is a feeling in between. So mm -hmm. young adulthood is the season of feeling in between. Could you, like, could you unpack how that may or may not be you or like where that is um, for you? I think I experienced that during COVID as far as like during college. College, I did some running away from my calling and running away from who God wanted me to be. So that felt more of a season in between where now I'm kind of set on where I want to be, where I feel called to be, doing what I am called to do, doing what I want to do. And so I don't feel like the season of in between right now. I think I felt that earlier. And so it's a matter of like, I mean, after college, I went home for two months and then I moved up here. So maybe that was a season of in between. But even in a season of in between, I've had constants. Like I worked at a sub shop through since I was 16. And whenever I was home, I could work there. So I wasn't, I was never in a season where I could scramble when I was home. Like, oh, I need a job. It's like, nope, I just text him a week before I'm home. And I'm on the schedule the day I get back kind of thing. So I've, I've had a lot of stability where it doesn't feel like a season of in between, even though it might be. What about internally? Um, uh, I mean, a lot of that is like stuff that's going on around you or that you may or may not be involved in. Calling, you know, like mm -hmm. when you're running for calling, that's, a, that's absolutely an internal thing or, or very much involves an internal element. But uh, have you felt an in-betweenness in the shaping of your identity or the uh, some of your own spiritual journey and, and stuff like that? Um, not right now. There's no right answer. Not right now. I feel pretty confident who I am, who God's called me to be. And so as far as that stuff goes, no. I think I've done it earlier in my life. I've done it in high school, but and in college, but I would say within the last year, not really. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Josh, what do you think are some helpful things that older leaders in the church, um, older generations in the church, it would be helpful for them to be thinking about when it comes to young adults, whether it's their their grandkids or their own children or people on their staff. Um, 
what are some things you you see people missing when it comes to sharing compassion and listening well with with young adults? Mm -hmm. uh, mental health, number one, first and foremost, because if if someone's mental health isn't right, nothing else will go right for them. And so understanding what mental health is, everyone's different. You can't put a blanket over every single person that has depression. It's completely different from the different people. Understanding the importance of mental health days, taking care of mental health, and figuring out ways, whether it be therapy or certain activities that can be done. And then also, I mean, one thing that pisses me off is when people say like, oh, just you're not praying hard enough. I've heard yeah. that one before. And so like that stuff to me is so ignorant of how God works, how the body works. So stuff like that. And a lot of the time kids, people just want to be listened to. Mm -hmm. What do you do to, to help yourself keep balance with, with mental health? What are helpful practices for you? Accountability, my friends. Um, I have one friend that would probably call for an hour to three hours a day just talking about stupid stuff, stuff that's needed. Um, and then also just being able to relax in a hammock, just laying down and just letting my mind wander sometimes is good, whether I'm reading something or listening to something. But. Mm -hmm. um, have, have you got the book, Young Adult Ministry Now, that ebook? The ebook, yeah. Um, Did you ever buy it? I know, uh, probably not. Okay, it's interesting in the different sessions that I'm looking at them. You're at a different place than a lot of the young adults that people may yeah. be engaging and trying to get involved with church, or they're a part of a church and they're like, the things are just kind of floating. Like you're a leader in a church, but also you have that 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 yearning and that desire for community. And the wherewithal to realize if I'm leading it, it's probably not what I need. And yeah. there's somebody there that can help facilitate that with you. And so as I'm looking over, like session two talks about com the, the compassion piece, but the identity, the belonging, and the purpose. As I'm listening to you, it sounds like you feel like you have those things. You have yeah. identity, you have belonging, you have purpose. Those aren't longings in your life right now but community is yeah so if you could describe a like young adult community um where you would thrive in mm -hmm. what elements would that in include um eating food together being able to kind of call each other last minute and plan things and being able to share a space with them no matter where that is so if that's in a bible study setting or just hanging out the house or doing an activity whatever that looks like in some context just but being able to be yourself in a space with other people and to vibe with each other almost like i think it's a classic yeah. it's a classic question of would you rather go to an amusement park with five strangers or go to a landfill with five of your best friends. Anyone that has experienced true community, I think will pick the landfill because they understand that those people are more important than the location. So I would go to the landfill with five of my best friends because we'll figure out something to do. We'll have fun regardless of wherever we are. 
if you're a baker, you'll probably shoot something. Probably. And why not? So that is a really stark and interesting contrast. Is that's it? It almost sounds like you've said that before or heard that someplace. Did you just come up with that? The question or the the landfill versus the amusement park. It's a question I've heard since middle school, and I'll ask my teens that, and it's always it's very telling on who picks what. Hmm. The more going people will go and pick the amusement park because they like amusement parks they want to make friends people who are close-knit will pick the landfill because they don't you know they're maybe they're not comfortable they have social anxiety those things as well will feed into the pick scott have you heard that specific comparison before no. between a music park and landfill no but i really like the the contrast of the two um i think uh yeah because one it's not just a fun place. There are fun smells. Uh, the other, it's the smells are less fun. I think it's it's a multi sensory. It's a multi sensory dichotomy. Um, yeah, interesting. I like me, the fact that yeah, I did. I think it too. really is. I I think a person's answer really can be telling on, uh, you know, personality, extroversion, introversion, um, experience. And I, and and it, I think it does speak a lot about how how different people view community and creating building community. The comparison I immediately thought of was: Would I rather go do karaoke with five of my best friends, or do a Spartan race with a group of strangers? And I, I got to tell you, I mean, I'm going to pick the Spartan race. I hate karaoke. <laughs> See, I would pick I'd pick karaoke. I don't have a blast. Yeah, I also rigged my analogy though too. <laughs> That's really I totally did. I did. I totally did. Um, Josh, I'm curious. Would about I rather the... would I rather sit down and read a book front to back or <laughs> go to a landfill? I want to read the book front to back. <laughs> Josh, were you at the coffee the morning I was there and Scott and I were getting about how we read books? It, I was the only coffee I've been to was right before NYC. It was the Wednesday before NYC. Yeah, I don't that that one. Well, I not you were there that. Yeah, but... no, I, I remember being there with you. I just couldn't remember if you. So I just mentioned to Scott one time that I don't read. I don't typically read books sequentially. I'm with you. I read the table of contents and then I look and see what's most interesting to me, and I skip to that chapter, and then I'll read that. And if it's if it engages me, then I'll go back and maybe read the rest of the book. Oh, I just listen to audiobooks. And, well, and that's I mostly listen to audiobooks. <laughs> Scott, look at him. Like he's having he's having a physical negative reaction. He has to read it all the way. I don't skip on audiobooks, Scott, just okay. for the record. <laughs> well, I mean to back I think what you do is chaotic. It's a chaotic neutral move. But to your point, how do you read the Bible, Scott? Oh, oh shut up. <laughs> yeah josh josh there's a meme here i don't know what it is but there's a meme we need one we need a meme mean it well uh, the bible is a collection of books mm -hmm. so how do you read psalms uh i have read straight through always every time never uh, have yeah. psalms. could you imagine the, the first the first time i read psalms i did i read straight through 
uh, if I read it, you know, if I read some other book, um, I, I read it straight through. Then once I've read it, if, if I want to go back to a particular chapter, I go well, back to the chapter. But, Scott, how, you know, does it, read it. how does it make you feel that you're reading the Bible out of the chronological order that they were actually written in? True. It's why I have a chronological order right there. That's how I this guy. Look at this guy. And do it again. Yeah. Because our Bibles aren't even structured chronologically, so yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine if every time somebody got up to preach, they're like, "We're gonna, we're gonna be our text is in Revelation today, but we gotta read everything before then before we get there." So settle in. One example, come on. <laughs> One example does not. I'm just gonna be quiet. It's a really long introduction to a sermon. <laughs> oh josh oh you man had you had to go do <laughs> this is why this I'm is an why instigator. the lord brought us together it. today instigator i think My you're word. like a catalyst <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know if you guys can read that Okay, but I can't I can't post that without other people getting derailed. So I mean, can I have a very, kind of like a request of variation? If you put if you put that V, like, can you get a picture of one of those Chihuahuas with their eyes over here and their tongue over this way? Because that's a little how he looked the first time I told him. He was like, was like what are you were doing? Seriously? Smoke there, and springs and bolts were falling on the ground. Like the books that tell you you can read this in any order you, you want, those try to be crazy because it's like choose your own what, adventure. Uh uh well, but there's an order. Choose your own adventure, there's an order. That's true. Yeah, I don't yeah. I like it that this is a thing for us, Scott. And the hand grenade that Josh just lobbed in the middle we're of gonna, the Bible we're gonna be, is brilliant. We're gonna be, yeah. We're going to be old men sitting on a porch, rocking and rocking chairs, and you're going to be bringing up how I read books. Okay, Josh, you need to speak so you become the... <laughs> and then read the book how we want. Scott, I can't, I can't see this here. one. Okay. Dude, show me again, because it was too small. You weren't speaking. Kenny reads a book. <laughs> Start the rapture. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I do what I can. Uh, okay, I had another question percolating here, Josh. Uh, and it was, as a leader on staff at your church, also a young adult, and now there's a young adult group that's being facilitated, and, and um your desire to not be in charge of that, not be a leader in it, but just to be a participant so that you can, so, so that you, you don't have to be on all the time. Is that mm -hmm. being accomplished? Is that, is that actually possible? Yeah. I think the biggest, I think it totally can be done. You have to be very intentional about it. And so I, I just let Barbara do it. I just listen to her, whatever we're going to go through. I'm like, I don't care. I'll show up whenever I can kind of thing. Barbara, um, take the wheel. Yeah, pretty much. The only okay. the only barrier I think is hard is when, like, my friends in college they met me as Josh, not Pastor Josh, and so they'll always view me as a friend first. Whereas young adults in the church here, 
know me as Pastor Josh first. And so they're always going to view me as pastor before friend, even if we get to that level. And so part of that creates a barrier. And so, you know, how do you break that barrier as a pastor without sacrificing being a pastor? Like, it's not like, oh, let me just do something absolutely crazy that a pastor would never do to show you that I could be normal kind of thing. But really, it's something that they have to do on their own and kind of break down. Mm-hmm. I remember struggling with that early in the earlier years of my ministry, um, and uh, almost almost hitting a little bit of an identity crisis at, at one point, um, and having to just go seek out old friends who knew me long before I became a pastor, and so that I could just be with somebody who didn't see me, like my own wife didn't know me before I was the pastor. So like, and and that's different, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I, you know, even she understood, you know, like I had to reach out to old friends um, who, who did not see me first as that. Um, just right. not to have any particular conversation, not to hear any particular things, but just to be with people who saw me like that. Um, yeah differently and just pastor first so i get that that's a that's a that was a really tough thing in my younger years in particular mm-hmm. and i think i keep seeing it with at least people friends i'm pastor with they won't go uh, to a church outside a certain area of their hometown because they realize like a lot of my a few friends that are pastors at home their home church and so obviously those people, it comes with a flip thing where people may not respect you because they knew you before you were pastor, but that way they can keep those type of friendships. They can, they don't have to deal with that barrier. They deal with it on a flip. Right. So my plan, my hope with these conversations is to network people together that, that, care about young adult ministry that are doing young adult ministry that are helping lead it or facilitate it in some way each month on on the district um and so this one is kind of the follow-up from may but there's also this tie-in with fuller youth institute and and then uh me and the guys on the yamcast were uh reading through the ebook bless you josh um thank you we're reading through the ebook Young Adult Ministry now. And so we're up to chapter three. We're going to do chapter four later this month where um, we just kind of talk about our takeaways from it. And then I put it out there as a resource for people. Um, but next month, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to, you know, we have maybe some, a couple more people, maybe some different people to, to discuss. I enjoy talking with you guys. I hope you guys come back next month too. But what's what's working for us? Like just kind of a check-in, like to, to have some community around young adult ministry and what that's looking like, and then to encourage each other, maybe get ideas from each other. Um, Josh, I'm I'm reflecting on how you know we're trying this young adult retreat on the district this year with NYI. We're going to do it at the same time as winter retreat. Do you usually have Baker City go to the district winter retreat? We had six kids last year, and if I had to take a shot in the dark, I think I could easily have 20. So you're planning on going back again in January? Yeah. Um, I told Rich I would help him plan it, too, so I hope oh, I'd cool. be there. Cool. So I'm, you know, 
me and, and Kippy and Emily as the young adult reps on the council are, are talking about this again. And I'm reaching out to a couple different people about this. And we talked about this in, you know, in, in May, if you remember about what yeah. this could look like and everything. So we're, we're starting to dig into that a little bit, but I'm, all, I'm also looking at it going, there's a 23 year old pastor on the district. That's going to be there with his youth. He won't be able well, to participate and, in this thing. The, right. The, and yeah, the youth leaders that would, that if like Heather, for example, she helped me out at junior high camp. She said she'd go to winter retreat with us as a helper. She's 25, so she fills into that category as well. Yeah. And so you have a lot of youth leaders that are young that fit in that category that would be there for their youth first and foremost. I think of people like Levi, Ryan Schwinn, just off the top of my Mitch, head. And there's part Josh. Of yeah, exactly. Um, Carson, yeah, no, Scott's in there. Not, not me. We're we're twice, twice plus. But you have a lot of youth leaders, <laughs> and so obviously it's good for those who aren't there for teens. But anyone that helps out with teens, and let's be honest, most young adults, if they're in their in their church helping, usually it's either kids or teens. Yeah. I'm wondering if we can do something creative with that or if it's even necessary. If if you're like, well, I don't really care. I'm just I'm glad you're doing something. Hopefully glad. Glad you're doing I mean, trying something. But even if we did something like, at a different time, is it something that you would try to go to or want to go to? Or are you yeah, like, no, I'm I good. Would, I love retreats. I will make time for retreats. So maybe maybe we need to look at like a young adult retreat for pastors that are young adults on the district. <laughs> I mean, I would totally doubt. One of my favorite things at MBNU was we would have a, um, all those in ministry would go on a retreat. Anyone that's a ministry major would go on a retreat together. And so those were always a blast. But I would make time for it, yeah. I think we'd need a media blackout on that weekend. Please. <laughs> Easy. Uh, that's kind you of cool. Have... I would... I would have never you thought asked, of this without without talking to you guys. You asked something like that though with the all that young clergy stuff that they do, don't you? I don't know. Well, do you engage with the young clergy network at all, Josh? Nope. Now there is there is some backroom conversation happening right now with Ashley Gage, Brent Peterson, and the young adult clergy network rep for the Northwest potentially about doing something pulling them together around the Wesley conference but Lee Young's also talking about doing that too which we have a lot of right about. right um, well I'm going to go to the Wesley conference regardless of what who I go for dude Andrew I'm, Root this year I don't know who that I is know. but I'm going he's a baller oh, I'm so excited that's all you need to know he's a okay. theological practicing baller Listen, I was signed up as soon as when after I, last year. I'm like, I would love to go to this every year. Incarnational was, Youth Ministry, Josh is is one of his books, and it is it's pretty timeless. Okay, I can add it to my my pile over there. Of books Please do read. get on that. His secular age series is phenomenal. Um. Uh, yeah, he's some fan. I'll I can loan you anything that he's got. Okay. Do you have Scott? I'm I'm reading this one because uh, in my conversation with Scott Daniels, he recommended this one or just mentioned it. Churches in the Crisis of Decline by Andrew Root. Yeah, 
I'm listening to that one right now. It's interesting. Yeah. But look okay. at us. We're, I mean, we're talking about guy adult ministry. We're talking about we're talking about the online training. We're talking about the ebook. We're talking about real life stuff. We're offering resources. I'm experiencing communitas with you guys. There's going to be memes that come out of this, Josh, hopefully. Some would say synergy, but that's just me. Ooh. <laughs> synergy. Wow. It'd be a great camp theme. It would be, it was, wouldn't it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, somebody, somebody would have to be brilliant to think of that. You should get on that. You should really yeah, get, get on, on that. Scott next year. Synergy yeah. part two. 2.0 synergistic yeah well um so doing this series i'm having these conversations with gamcast we're going to do monthly check-ins as as uh, intermountain young adults IMIA conversations on the district in december it's already this is already set up this is already established it's already booked there's a zoom schedule for this i'm interviewing steve argu that is the author um and highly of the ebook um, one of them, but um, also one of the fuller guys that's all up in this growing young and and young adult ministry resourcing and everything. So I'm curious, do you guys have any questions that I can write down now that I can add to a list of what we would want to ask somebody that's doing training with young adult ministry and see what they'd have to offer us? I don't know if anybody else would be interested in this, but I've been at this long enough that I've seen, you know, the, the young adult ministry has always been difficult through the generations, uh, at least through my generation to now. Um, and like talk through, you know, a little bit of a dialogue that kind of separates what some of the long-term difficulties have been, regardless of generation, to some of what's particularly unique about Gen Z. Because there's a lot of traits that like transient, uh, you know, really hard to nail down. It's just there's a lot of those kinds of things that have that are not unique to this generation that have been there through the decades in attempts to um, create and generate young adult ministry. Because I yeah, think it's I'm... easy for us, it's easy for us to focus in on the here and now. And to pinpoint why all of you know so many things, and I've heard people talk about um, some of the unique things about this generation, and I'm like, that's been the previous one, and that was my it generation too. Like those, those are all there; those are always, and and but but different traits create nuances within those. So anyway, yeah. So here's I don't know if you guys know Andrea Sattel. Do you know her from back east? I love Andrea. Love Isn't she her. great? She's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. She co-hosted the last Yamcast with me because the other two guys were doing other stuff. And I was like, forget you. I I I'll, I'll get a I'll get a co-host. So she's in the <laughs> Philly area now. And and so I asked her the same question. Here's the questions that she had um for Steve. How do you best equip parents of young adults, especially those who have walked away from their faith? Was one. How do you navigate the whole conversation on human sexuality? What resources are you using? Uh, lots of parents of young adults are having a hard time motivating them to get out of the house, do something productive, and find what they are passionate about. Some of that has to do with the state of mental health. How do you navigate that? 
So those were the three main ones that, that she had. But what is specific, just timeless to young adults? Let, you know, each generation has its own nuances, but what's, what's a timeless characteristics of young adult ministry? And it's going to be that way for the alphas after Gen Z as they come up into youth group and then in, into young adults that we can expect we okay we just know this is base these things are probably going to be there there's going to be new stuff that we're we got to be able to to uh like adapt to as well how think, do we yeah go ahead how do we break the cycle of i feel like there's a cycle of you're in you're in church you're in youth group you graduate you leave church you do your all your fun stuff and then you come back to church when you're 30, 40 something with kids, how do we break that cycle? Well, I, I think that's what they're trying to do with this, with this training, mm -hmm. with this ebook of like create continual relationship as part of it. Um, did either one of you hear me share about the pastor that I talked with? In the it's been the last couple of years, but I, I it was at um, was a Wesley conference or something else. It's a friend of mine from college. He pastors on our field, um, one of the districts. And I asked him how young adult ministry was going for him. And this is what he, this is what he said. He's like, I'm wondering since um, marriage is being delayed statistically and people are having children later, how long will it be before people come back with their kids to the church or will they at all? Mm -hmm. And I thought, I, I haven't heard anybody address that. And That's you just really kind of you brought that up just now, Josh, um, as part of your question there, breaking that cycle of graduate high school, college, get into young adulthood, don't go to church, get married, have kids, have a family, bring it back to church. Breaking that cycle. Am I understanding that right? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not going to keep you guys more than the hour. I love talking to you, though. Appreciate both of your insights and conversation. Any parting thoughts, ideas, questions, concerns, memes? Scott, thanks just for that. Just that there is a right way to read a book. Uh -huh. The way you want to. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm. You're going to do that. You got to apply it to scripture too. Pastor Josh taught us that today. <laughs> Love it. Josh, I, I hope you're ready to memeify our conversation today. I actually charge for my time. So. Yeah, sweet. Send me that bill. I'll send, I'll send you one, please. Send it to Rich. Okay. <laughs>